Hello, everyone. This is Rolo, the Puerto Rican Pistolero. And as always, I am joined by my lovely wife and co-host, Johanna Latina Locked and Loaded. And we have a special guest today here at the Solutionary Summit, Olivia Rondeau. She is a, uh, a, a journalist and a, uh, an activist. Well, how would you describe yourself? Uh, I think politically I would identify as a conscious black conservative or conservatarian. Uh, I've been called a right-wing libertarian. I've been called a Republican. I'm just an independent that has a kind of like a mesh of all those different ideas. Awesome. We appreciate that concept because it's like we have this term. We're probably not the only ones who say it, but we're politically homeless, but we pull from different ideas. Yeah, I mean, there there is no party for people like us, even the libertarians. I mean, I, I, I like a lot of what they do. I, jo I just joined the Mises Caucus last month, but you don't have to be a party member to join. So um, I just don't like aligning with a lot of people because obviously, I, my opinion is the Republican Party and the Democrat Party, any major party in the duopoly, has to appeal to like the lowest common denominator because they have to get 85 million people to agree with them, right? So I just, I can't align with something like that, you know? How did you first, uh, for, for people that don't know, how did you get into political activism and journalism? Uh, how, how did that seed get planted? Uh, it got started on social media. Uh, I've always been a very opinionated person. But uh, it took until the 2016 election for me to actually be paying attention to politics closely. I didn't grow up uh, very political. Like my parents, they, you know, they didn't always agree. So I didn't grow up in like a hardcore Democrat or hardcore Republican household. Um, I was in high school when the 2016 election happened, and of course, you know, everyone's in my face like, oh my god, Trump is like a white supremacist, blah, 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 blah. So of course, I'm like, walking around like Trump is a white supremacist. And I, you know, I, I, I wrestled in high school, and a lot of the boys on my team, they were like hardcore Trump supporters, and they were all nice to me. We never had any issues. So I'm like, why are all these white boys being so nice to me if they're voting for this like so-called white supremacist? So I go home and talk to my dad. I'm like, Dad, like all these kids at school are voting for Trump or are supporting Trump. Like this is crazy. And my dad, a black man, is like, I'm voting for Trump. I don't think he's a white supremacist. And so then I was like, well, then I have to do some research because clearly I've been lied to because I trusted my friend's judgment. I trusted my father's judgment. So I go and do my own research and mostly into Clinton. And I'm mostly looking at things like the Clinton Foundation. I'm looking at Benghazi and I'm like, wow, I can't trust anything these people say, anyone on their, on their payroll, anyone being endorsed by them or anything like that. So from that point on, I knew I could never trust Democrats, and I knew I wasn't going to have a popular opinion because uh, it was my freshman year of high school when this was going on, and I was in the Black Student Union. And I went to a very, very white rural high school, and there was maybe 30 black kids in the whole school, and in Black Student Union, it was probably like 15 to 20 of them. So it was the it was like at least it was about half of the black students were in Black Student Union. They were all very liberal. I ended up getting kicked out of Black Student Union. I knew my I knew my like ideology was going to be very unpopular, so I just I just took the social media because I knew I wasn't going to be well received at school. So I started posting on Instagram, and then a lot of my friends unfollowed me, blocked me, and then people are started saying, "Oh, well, look at Trump's tweets, look at Trump's tweets," and Trump's tweets are always on the news. They're trending on Instagram. So I'm like, let me just make a Twitter, and that's when it really blew up when I made when I made a Twitter. I had blown up within like a couple months of me having a Twitter, and ever since then, uh, I started like to write more long form. Because, um, you know, Twitter is like, what, 240 characters? Mm -hmm. I don't know. So that's when the journalism started. Because I always like to write in school. So I was like, let me just write what I'm interested in. So since then, I've done, like, the podcast circus. I've written for a ton of different publications just... 
because I know I'm unpopular, but I know people read unpopular stuff. So. If you don't mind me asking, what's your age? 20. Wow. I know, but people were like, uh, you were in high school during the 2016 election? I was <laughs> like, they're like, 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 yeah. mm-hmm. like, what the hell? That, that, well, that's awesome to hear how you went through the process of basically doing the research yourself and kind of educating yourself because it seems like too many people, especially in that age group, uh, you know, listen, even when I was growing they up. listen to what they're told and they believe it as fact yep. instead of doing their own research. And they, they hated me because I did my own research. Like, oh, what are you, you're reading, what are you reading, Fox News? You're on Breitbart? <laughs> oh, I'm, like, gosh, I'm, reading, yes. I'm like, I'm reading everything. I don't, I don't know why I can't read right-wing media. I mean, uh, y'all are fine just watching left-wing media all the time. Y'all are fine watching Don Lemon. Or even back in high school, nobody watches the news. They're, like, listening to whatever celebrities were saying at the time. Like, y'all listen to Cardi B. That's fine. I don't care. But you can't, I mean, why, so what if I watch InfoWars? Like, it's cool. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I watch everything. It's not like I'm, like, a crazy, like, right-wing extremist or conspiracy theorist. I think that's a slur anyways to silence people. Of course. But, uh, yeah, I, nobody really likes to diversify where they get their information. It's definitely one of the biggest problems that we face nowadays. Now, uh, in wrestling, uh, you've gained some notoriety or controversy. Uh, do you, can we you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so, uh, I mean, from the jump of wrestling, I was already controversial being, like, the girl on the team. And I was very was well known. Uh, I mean, they can't deny somebody. So it wasn't advertised as a co- Just like it's just the football team or the wrestling team. It's boys on the team. But technically, if you're a girl, you are legally allowed to try out because of Title IX. So uh, tried out. I'm on the team. And, of course, like my existence from the jump was just controversial. I mean, parents have stuff to say about it. Um, when I was in there on the panel, I told the story about how a referee actually pulled me aside one day to basically say I, don't, I do not belong in the sport. He got fired. It was like a whole big thing. So I've just been used to the controversy before I even got into politics. So I think it kind of translated well to the, to the point where, like, people are already slandering my name. People are already criticizing my athletic ability, uh, my heart, you know, things like that. So when people are criticizing my ideology or my character now, it just, not to say that it completely rolls off my back, because I do, I am kind of amazed at how, like, Major Williams can place a candle it because they have, like, thousands of people, you know, because they run for office, anyone who really run for, run for office, but um, it's definitely benefited me, you know? That's awesome. Uh, now, uh, a topic that I know Joe gets into a lot is, you know, women's rights and kind of how women's rights are almost, uh, how would you say, Joe, is it almost feel like it's regressing because of the cultural war and things like that? Um, you know what I'm talking about. Yes. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, he specifically, I think, bringing up transsexual. Yeah, transgenderism in sports and things like that. Its impact on actual women's rights because I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, uh, we're, we're losing, you know, the ability to call ourselves mothers. Um, our body parts are no longer called what they're supposed to be actually biologically called. Um, we're losing spots, you know, in things that are specifically created for women. Now we're sharing it with men who think they're women. Um, am, I, am I going with the? Yeah. What do you think about this? Yeah, I mean. Transgender athletes in sports has been one of my major issues. That's what people want me to talk about a lot of the time. And I, at first, I thought that I was kind of being shoved into it just because I was a female wrestler. People are like, oh, well, how would you feel if you had to wrestle a man? I'm like, I do. I don't know what y'all are talking about. But then, um, you know, it, it is a thing. It is a thing because 
I knowingly signed up to wrestle boys. There was no option for me. However, that's because Maryland currently does not have women's sanctioned wrestling, and they're working on it. However, in states that do have women's only sports, women's only division, for biological men to join that is just absurd because women fought so hard. We're currently fighting so hard in Maryland to get a space for women, uh, for women's only wrestling that for a transgender athlete to join that division would be like a slap in the face for that. And it's not out of hatred, it's not out of bigotry. I don't hate anyone for what they choose to do to their body. That is that is completely within their right, and I respect that. Uh, what I also respect is reality and biology, and people are, uh, are all like, oh, like the, like the Olympic uh, Committee has said, oh, well, if you get your testosterone below a certain amount, then all things are equal. That's clearly not based in science. You're not taking into account how men on average are like four to five to six inches taller than the average woman. And then when we get to the Olympics, the trans athlete that came uh, from New Zealand to weightlift was like over 6'2", 240 pounds, and competing in the open weight division in women's weightlifting. And now if you can't, oh, are you saying that if this person was born a biological woman, they would still be 6'2", and 240 pounds? Probably not. Most likely not. And a lot of people don't take into account things, and as a wrestler, I take into account things like hand size. I have really small hands, and that made it hard to wrestle because a lot of wrestling is wrist control, collar tying, all these things, and people with larger hands have an advantage over that. And I can see how somebody with larger hands might have an advantage in combat sports, weightlifting, things that transgender athletes are now making strides in. And it's also things like lung capacity, like runners, like people are all like, oh, it's just, they don't have muscles anymore. It's not just the muscles, it's lung capacity, arm span, height, hand size, feet size, all things that men have great, like a greater amount of. And it's just, it's not hateful to point that out, but I've, I've been called a transphobe and a bigot for pointing that out. What do you think, well, what's your, what do you think of women? Because I feel like women are actually the ones promoting this more. If you look at, like, there was um, that documentary that we watched about uh, yes, transgender I, kids. It was, yes. like, it was their moms that were pushing the kids. A lot of times you see that the activists are actually women pushing this yeah. issue. What do you, why do you think women are going against themselves and going for these really radical ideas. I will say that it's never female athletes pushing this. It's people who don't understand sports. I had somebody who was a, you know, self-proclaimed libertarian, but, you know, more on the Wilkitarian side or whatever, try to tell me, oh, I did uh, competitive dance in high school, so I know what I'm talking about. I'm like, you you did competitive dance, and she, and she was like, oh, I had to lift people up and, you know, spin them around. I'm like, okay, do that while they're trying to kill you and slam you on the mat and then talk to me about combat sports and what men and women are better at. Um, so to answer your question directly though, I think women are natural nurturers and carers. That's why a lot of women vote Democrat, I think. And that's not a knock on women because, you know, women have fantastic natural, you know, qualities and like, you know, they can be great mothers and great nurturers in that way. But I think sometimes it does influence decisions. They just want to take care of it. Oh, honey, like, you think you're a man? You want to compete against my daughter? You know what? That's fine. You know, like, they don't want to offend anybody. And uh, I definitely understand that, but it is unfortunate because they're completely working against themselves. But to that point, I do hate the 
the people in the comments when I make these videos about transgenders and sports are like, oh, you're a woman, you got what you voted for. I'm like, why are you assuming that I voted for this? I didn't. I understand, like, I'm not to be like a radical feminist or anything, but I'm like, stop assuming that everyone supports that. Uh, because actually the vast majority of Americans, men and women, they do not support this. It's being pushed by the Democrats for God knows why, but it's like, I, I did a video with the Daily Caller about this, and I forget the exact number, but it was like not even close to half of the country supporting biological men and women's sports. So there's that too. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like this is mostly a media thing? That's yeah, it's like a, it's definitely an agenda. You can tell when certain things are an agenda when nobody in real life cares about it. Yep. Like, do you see anyone in real life going around and be like, "We need transgenders in women's sports"? Like nobody cares. Yep. I will say nobody that I cares feel about like it. people may not care, but but they're very scared to make an opinion because if you even say anything, like, I've been called a turf, but I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, I know, I'm like, how am I a turf? I'm not even a feminist. So <laughs> what am I excluding trans people from if I'm not in the feminist movement? Mm -hmm. It's just, it's funny how that works. I, I don't really know what the ultimate agenda is. Uh, sometimes the only thing you can think of are vast conspiracies, you know, really because those are the only things that could almost make sense like yeah. you just not want people not to populate anymore uh do you want to be able to suppress people because you're going to eliminate anything masculine so I think even it's a little bit of that yeah. i think it's all also all about creating these new boxes mm -hmm. because a lot of republicans have it right when they say that democrats want to create all this like racial tension all the time and i think people are kind of uh maybe noticing that a little bit too much. And now people are like, okay, we're gonna make the non-binary category, the transgender category, the male to female category, the female to male category, and separate everyone based on this. And we're also gonna separate you based on whether you agree with all that or not. So it definitely is a kind of divide and conquer strategy. I think it's a real stupid one considering that most Americans still don't believe in it. But like you said, people are also scared to speak out on it because people's jobs are riding on whether or not your employer can find out if you're transphobic or not, or if you're mm -hmm. homophobic or not. So I get that too. But I think it's also time to stop. I mean, we are literally in this situation, the silent majority. I usually think that term is like really, really corny because then I'm just like, speak up then. But I will say, it's so easy to be canceled these days for being allegedly transphobic or homophobic that I understand why people are silent about it. Mm -hmm. uh, I guess another topic that I want to speak to, because I believe uh, the other day you wrote an article about vaccine passports in New York. Uh, I believe it was on Tim's website, I yeah. think is where you published it. Uh, can we Let's go a little bit more into that and what you think the ultimate agenda is for vaccine passports or what, what do you think the strategy is here? To get... I mean, we're already so far gone at this point, I'm almost losing hope. But to get people just reliant and trusting the government even more than we already are. And people have called me like a sellout, Uncle Tom, like the worst words for saying that I, I'm just not putting all that faith in the government like that. And then I really feel like black people who call me that are the real sellouts because how do you look at the history of this country? If you're a Latino too, how do you look at the history of this country? and be like, you know what minorities need to do? We gotta trust the government even more. Like, how are you that stupid? So the vaccine passports, that is the government saying, scaring the crap out of everybody, being like, you need this or you are going to die. You're a grandma killer. You don't care about old people. You don't care about people. You need to get vaccinated. You need to prove it to participate in public life. And so in the article that I wrote, I quoted uh, Bill de Blasio saying that 
literally that. If you want to participate in the full benefits of society, you have to prove you're vaccinated. Now, how does that not sound totalitarian, authoritarian? And people are always like, oh, haha, like we're gonna be throwing the gulags. We are, that's like the stepping stone. It's gonna go from proving that you've gotten your government issued vaccine to go into a concert or to go into school or to go into work to having to show your papers and having to prove like whatever that you prove that this uh, 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 prove that you are in this particular ideology because we're having uh, kid, kids being taken away from their parents because yep. they're not vaccinated. It's ideological. It's not after safety. I've never gotten a flu shot. I was never taken away from my parents, but I view the flu shot as optional and as necessary as COVID because I'm young, I'm healthy. I don't feel like I need it currently. I've had COVID. It was like nothing almost. Mm -hmm. um, and I would say if you are old or if you are in a group uh, who is uh, who you have bad health, I, I would recommend mm -hmm. it. And I think that's a very reasonable position to have, which just shows me that it's very ideological and very political the way that people are saying you have to prove it or you hate your grandma. You have to prove it or you can't participate in the full benefits of society. You can't live your full life in New York City. That's that's how it is because people are acting like this, the bubonic, the bubonic place, yep. which is not... Yeah, I think uh, the fear, the level of fear that people are really allowing themselves to become victim to is kind of unprecedented. I think social media and the media, the way they can push it so that in the past, you know, you would just, you get home and you don't have social media. So it's like, whatever, I don't have to worry about it. It's not getting blasted at me 24 hours a day. I can escape it. But now it doesn't matter whether you are, you know, watching the news, which you expect to get this propaganda from, or you're just even following a celebrity that you want to, your, your ability to escape is gone. Yeah. Everything Every has been politicized. Every all this get vax, hashtag get vax. Uh, DMC made this whole vaccination music video. Yeah. It was corny as hell. It was published by, I think, like New York Public Health or something like that. And, of course, me being me, I look at the board of the public health organization. And it's the leader of it is this like middle-aged white woman. They're all white, and they're making this corny music video with DMC to appeal to black people. All the animated people in that little music video were, were all black, so you can't tell me it wasn't specifically targeted to black people. And I'm like, why are all these like old white liberals paying black people who really aren't even relevant anymore? Like, no one listens to DMC no more, mm -hmm. and, and and paying them to make these corny statements. So that's again, that's how you know it's ideological. That's how you know that there's an agenda. And people are gonna call me like a right-wing conspiracy theorist, and it's 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 really not even a conspiracy at this point. You, it's not even like you have to open your third eye nope. or anything. Just turn on the news and see who's pushing it, and do like one level of research. I just went to the official website. It wasn't like I was like hacking anything. They don't even hide it anymore. That's no, the crazy part. It's not. They're not hiding it. And I think that's what, that's one of the greatest frustrations that I have is just, you can show this is what they're doing to you and they're admitting to it. And they're like, I don't care. I was like, but it's even their source. Like it's not, I'm not even going to Fox News. I'm not doing anything like that. It's that they're telling you what they're doing. So it's, it's pretty insane. Uh, what else was I gonna ask here? Uh, uh, I, I wanted to bring it back to guns. Because yeah. we are pro, uh, primarily uh, right. two-way, even though we branched out, especially recently. We, I don't know, some, we've had some shows that had nothing to do with guns or, or the Second Amendment. We had a whole episode about abortion a couple weeks ago. Um, how do you, first of all, uh, how do you feel about guns? I'm a Second Amendment absolutist. Uh, I make some people who claim to be pro-Second Amendment mad because I'm like, 
if you don't trust a felon with a gun, then we should have just kept them in jail. Yeah. I think, I mean, if you're like, obviously, if you're a violent criminal, you're a child molester, they should just be in jail. We don't have to, we don't have to be like letting all these felons out in the street and uh, get them messed up again with their parole officer because they want to pr uh, protect themselves and use their Second Amendment right, which has been taken away from them. So I think that's, uh, I think that's very immoral. So to, to, I'm like, to the extreme, like, you should be able to have a gun if you want to protect your family. I, honestly, I don't care why you want a gun. That's yep. it. That's your, that's, that is your prerogative. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, and that's, it, it's so funny how that, how that always works that, you know, again, it just comes back to fear. They try to use fear to push us. They don't want us to be empowered. Uh, they don't want us to know that we can be self-sufficient. Uh, they always want to push negative stereotypes about gun owners. And, yeah, that and, we're weak, that we, um, we need a gun because we're so scared in the world. Yep. It's, 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 so, it, it's so crazy. And, you know, people are like, oh, America has so many mass shootings. America has more guns than people in it. Yep. If it was really a, I mean, it's obviously there's a mental health problem in this country. But I will say this, there wasn't no school shootings before. You know, when my parent, when my parents, my my parents were born in the '60s, there was no school shootings back then. Mm -hmm. The first big one was like Columbine, right? Yep. Like much later. So clearly, something ideologically, something mentally changed in Americans to the point where we, not we as in like myself, mm -hmm. but Americans are taking out our pent up frustration and anger out in other ways. So the problem is clearly not guns because America has always been very heavily yep. armed. So something else had to happen. Uh, to the point where people are losing their minds and wanting to shoot their classmates or wanting to shoot their coworkers. So we have to find out what that is. But um, it's not even uh, it's not even correlated to the amount of guns or gun owners we have no. in this country because most of the time when somebody is shooting at uh, you know at a high school or something, it's like some kid that is not even supposed to legally have a mm -hmm. gun ever. So it's not like a bunch of law-abiding, legally owning, uh, legally owned guns that are committing these crimes. It's like gang members who have the, the serial numbers filed off. You will never be able to find mm -hmm. that gun. You will never be able to see where that gun was purchased. It was not legally purchased. I promise you that. Or it's a kid who like stole his dad's hunting rifle. That's, that's what it is. Mm -hmm. It's about uh, just, again, it's pushing away personal responsibility and accountability because people don't want to look in the mirror. They don't want to do the work to solve their own problems. They'd rather blame inanimate objects or blame the other and say it's their fault or it's because you have this uh, device. It's funny how we hear conversations sometimes when people pick up a gun for the first time that were anti-gun and you know, uh, Chris Cheng, he's, uh, he's a, a gay uh, gun advocate. He spoke about, was it him that took the story of yes. like, yeah, he took somebody to the range and out shooting and they're like, I didn't feel the desire to murder anybody. And I was like, that's really a crazy That's statement crazy that to that was say. Even in their head. Yes, I was like, so you think like it's like a demonically possessed like totem that you give to somebody and it's just gonna turn you into like some bloodthirsty fiend? Yeah. And it's just crazy how the media's done such a I mean, I hate to use the word good, but in their perspective, such a great job in and brainwashing like and indoctrinating people. Yep. I mean, people look at me crazy when I say, I've been shooting guns since I was a child. They act like my parents were child abusers or yep. neglected me. I'm like, I never shot anyone. I've never injured anyone with a gun. It's always been in a very safe environment, and now I know uh, what to look out for. I mean, I, I know not to, like, even if I was to sh if I was a first-time shooter today, what if, what if I muzzle-sweep somebody? What if I didn't check the chamber? Mm -hmm. You know, what if I pulled the trigger thinking it was a toy? But it, I was taught at a young age that guns are very serious, and now I will literally never harm someone unnecessarily with a gun. So, I mean, I think it's a benefit to it. Definitely. 
definitely. Yeah. As we always say, education is the best thing that you can do for somebody in terms of gun safety. Like the media makes it seem like just eliminating and hiding them is making you safer. When if anything, that's the most unsafe you could be because you don't know how to take care of yourself. One, you have nothing to defend yourself with, and two. If you come across a gun, you have a higher chance of actually injuring someone. Yeah. And that's the dumbest thing. It's like one of the the, um, the most common comments. Yeah. If get. you don't know how to use a gun, yeah. you will probably injure somebody. So know how to use it. Yeah. And people are like, oh, gun owners are so irresponsible. They let their kids, you know. It, I mean, I don't know a gun owner that doesn't keep their gun in a safe or a you know a locked room or something. Mm -hmm. or it's it's just it's not a thing that happens. Yep. And again, it's not understanding the culture. If you've grown up with guns your entire life, you don't have the stigma behind it, and you have to treat people like adults, or you give people the judgment to be a parent. You should know your child. There's some people that are perfectly honest. Like, I wouldn't let my kid shoot until, because I don't think he's mature enough, or, or she's mature enough. And there are the people that are like, I'd take my four-year-old out because they understood from the start that this is a dangerous tool, and, you know, they, they were educated right then. So you have to use that judgment as a parent, but to just judge a parent based on, well, they know their kids and they know their child's going to be responsible, but you as an outsider are like, oh, well, you're abusing your child, you're doing all these things, it's yeah, ridiculous. people look at me crazy when I say that, and um, I've been hunting a couple times back when I was a kid, I only killed something once. When I was eight years old, I shot and killed a Texas doll ram, it was huge, we had it for Thanksgiving, it was delicious, and I went home from Thanksgiving break, you know, I went, or I went back to school, and I'm telling my friends about it, and my teacher was like, like Olivia, do I have to contact home? Like, why? Are, why are your parents got you out there in the woods getting your Thanksgiving meal? Like, what is going on? I'm like, it was our vacation. We were in Pennsylvania. We were staying at a resort in Pennsylvania mm -hmm. and went out into the mountains and shot our dinner. Like, what is so bad about that? So just because I had that since a kid, now I'm no, now I know why people look at me crazy. But like back then, I would just go around talking about, like, oh yeah, over the weekend I shot a ram and we ate it. Like now I know not to talk crazy like that. But it's yeah. not even crazy because, uh, well, Joe came from. Joe's a vegan for a long time, so it, and she's a vegetarian. Yeah, so what? How do you do that? <laughs> I'm still a vegetarian. It's it's okay. Like um, I I just really like animals, and, but at the same time I've never been. You know, it's one of the weirdest comments that I like I remember hearing from a friend. It's like you're the most normal vegan I've ever met, and it's like the only reason you're saying that is because I'm not like I'm the only vegan that wasn't going around like trying to shove their like being judgmental and shoving their views on people because i've always kind of believed in freedom yeah. and like that's the same thing it's like as long as you don't push your lifestyle on me i'm okay and like yes i still believe like there's certain things i still believe and that's my personal views um about like the meat industry and things like that like there's messed up if we gave animals better like treatment you know like i yeah. used to uh be very against hunting but like it's more ethical I, than the meat industry it is right more ethical in the meat industry and as i learned that it's like it's so crazy to me that as i got into the gun industry and learned more about that i actually like i used to be against it and i was like wow like that ram lived a happy happy life in the mountains of pennsylvania and then he died instantly and felt no pain so yeah. it's better <laughs> than a turkey who was like literally in a cage and, and, yeah yep. shot full of hormones and all that Yep. And then I'm also realistic. It's like, would I prefer there to be no suffering and no death? It's like, of course. That's my personal view. But I don't push that on anybody, and I can't push that on anybody. No, so. I, I, I like animals, too. And, and sometimes I'm thinking about it. I'm like, 
I love my dog so much. Like, how would I feel if somebody was like, that's I'm a, hungry, I'm assuming. Like, that's I, actually I, how I, get came the, about. I get the inconsistencies with it. I just think they taste good. And I don't <laughs> think dogs would. So, yeah. yeah. Yep. No, well, that's, that's how it is. And, and having that nuanced approach, I think people have lost that ability. And there's so much of a fear. It's almost like a, a fear of contagion. Like, I'm even afraid to talk to the other side because I'm afraid that they'll persuade me. I was like, well, then that tells you that you don't have any, your standards yeah. on your own beliefs aren't that strong. Like, yeah. your convictions are weak then. People who, like, are like, um, oh, I'm going to follow you because you said something that was, um, you seem like you're appealing to liberals. Or you seem like, I'm like, so you're saying I made too much sense and that uh, triggered you? Because I feel like people, people half the time when they follow me, they don't even disagree with what I'm saying. They just look at the comments and see Democrats agreeing with it. And they see me doing outreach and they're like, why are all these Democrats following you? Why are all these Democrats talking about you? So I feel like that's the main reason because um, I gained a lot of, Democrat and liberal and independent followers uh, recently. I feel like it's more it's more on my Instagram actually. Like I have like a lot of liberal followers on Instagram for some reason, which I'm very open mm-hmm. to. Like that's awesome. But I see uh, I've gotten a few messages like Olivia, why do you have these Democrats in the comments supporting you? Like, are you like what are you doing? And I'm like, I make anything, sense. To, I make if sense. If anything, to them. that should be something positive because you're crossing poverty lines and teaching them or, or showing them ideas that are not. You know, you know that are more in line with what they should, you know, what they're with. Yeah, I'm like, know? what is the point of being on the right if you're only talking to people on the right? Do you want to win, or do you want to pat on the back? Yeah. Because a lot of people just want to pat on the back. Well, and I almost go back to to Hillary calling Trump supporters deplorable. And I'm like, you're almost reciprocating that mentality. You're not calling Democrats deplorable, but you're essentially saying you're so irredeemable that I don't even want you to agree with my talking points. And it's like, then how can you ever win if you're, that's almost like saying you're not worth my time to persuade. I was like, that's yeah. such an asinine People and backwards way of thinking. Too. Yeah, People they do. Like look at a black city or like a majority like Latino city and be like, well, they're not going to vote for us. I got no so chance. So it's like, we, uh, screw it. Why would even campaign it? That's why I like Kim a lot because mm-hmm. she's, you know, in Baltimore. And she actually goes door to door and knocks on doors. And people are telling her, you're the first Republican I've ever even met. And that's how I know that the GOP is failing. And people got mad at Kim, like, oh my gosh, she lost, you know, whatever, whatever. They went from 3,500 votes in Baltimore for the GOP to like 14,000 yeah. in one cycle. So even though she didn't win, it's like, it's not gonna take one cycle, it's gonna take several cycles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're trying to break through an establishment that's been entrenched for decades and expect to win it in one day. Maryland District 7 has never elected. Yeah. Not even just decades. It has never elected a Republican. It's just insane. Yeah, it, it, it really makes no sense even from a perspective. And you'd think the conservatives who speak about logic and facts over feelings would be able to rationally look at that and be like, oh, well, it makes sense. Like, this is progress. But it's like, no, if we don't win, then it's a failure. It's like, well, you never competed in these arenas yeah. before. How can you possibly expect to win? We're like, oh, black people vote 90% Democrat. Black women vote, like, I think I think over 90%. I think it's like 92 or 95 mm-hmm. or something. And it's like, what efforts are you making to appeal to black women? Oh, well, I don't see color, you know. I, I, like, okay, so don't complain about it. If you don't see color, then the demographics mean nothing to you, and winning these demographics means nothing to you. Yep. That's absolutely true. So where do you see where do you see yourself going? Because obviously you started 
you, you've started going into journalism. Was that what you originally wanted to do in life? No, like, what were you looking? That so? was, like, kind of a surprise. I mean, I always liked writing, so it, it did feel natural. But when I first started social media and I first gained followers, I was kind of, like, shoved into – I gained followers very accidentally. I went from, like, 200 to 300 followers to, like, 10,000 in, like, less than a week. Wow. I just had a post go, like, super viral one time. And so I was shoved into, like, this, like, social media influencer-type category – and it always felt kind of unnatural. I was just like, uh, you know, like, what do I do with this platform? Like, I, I, I'm in high school. I don't really do anything. So then I was like, well, let me do something. Uh, so I started, uh, I worked basically like half in electoral politics and half in media. I haven't really decided which route I want to put all my eggs in. I don't know if I ever will. Uh, back when I was like a more like uh, idealistic teenager, which was like last year, um, <laughs> I was like, I'm gonna run for office and I'm gonna change the world. And now that I've had, I have several friends who have run for office. Like I'm good friends with Kim, and I see like how much of a dirty rat race it is. I become less and less enchanted with the idea of running for office. I work on campaigns. I've, I love to help people run for office. I don't know if I'll be the face of something, but uh, I like I you know I like to influence people however I can, not just like social media, but through my articles, through my videos, through uh, you know my podcast episodes and things like that. What do you say to people? Because I've heard this a lot um, about how they're just done with politics and they, they won't even do anything. It doesn't. Their voice doesn't matter. I don't even pay attention because it doesn't matter when you are clearly proof that one voice, even a teenage voice, can make a difference. What do you tell people? Uh, work behind the scenes. I mean, people get mad because they're like, oh, I'm not getting followers or nobody's paying attention to what I'm saying. I'm like, the market is oversaturated, if I'm being honest with you. Unless you're saying something very unique, no one is going to, uh, you know, watch your show or, like, pay attention. Like, people get frustrated. Oh, I only have 100 followers. Okay. So, work inside the behind the scenes. Because I've met, like, the greatest people just working on campaigns, and they have, like, no social media. Mm -hmm. But they're making more of a difference than I am. Because I I could be out here tweeting. I'll get, like, a 1,000 retweets on something. But people are, like, running whole campaigns. Uh, they're working at think tanks, and they have no social media presence at all. So I would say, like, people who think that like, their voice isn't being heard or, like, you know, I can't get on the news or I can't book this show or I can't get enough followers, that's not all that it is. Mm -hmm. You know, it's much, much more than that. And I think a lot more of people who are actually doing work because, I mean, I knock, I've knocked, like, thousands of doors at this point. But before that, I had no idea how hard it was and how, like, like unforgiving it is and how little gratitude there is for it. And so now I think way more highly of people that actually, like, knock doors and make mailers and come up with policy and write articles more than, like, the, the people with, like, 100,000 followers. Because I'm like, unless you're doing something with it, then you don't even deserve that much. It's just a number, yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a great valid point. Do you uh, – how do you feel – we're millennials, obviously, so we – think very little of our generation uh and and i'm sure and it seems like every other generation thinks very little of us too do you think that gen z is what direction do you think gen z is going is there even slightly a trend are people waking up or is it the millennials the continuing demise that's that started with kind a of like the millennials. A lot of people are very hopeful about Gen Z. It's a lot of boomers mostly like, oh, we, we messed up with millennials, but Gen Z will bring it home. I'm like, first of all, y'all raised millennials, so who was to blame? Uh, yep. <laughs> but secondly, I, I, I have to disagree with it because being Gen Z, and I'm like, obviously I'm the older half of Gen Z. That, I mean, they're like in middle school and yeah. stuff mostly. But already I can see it's going, it's going to be bad. Yeah. Already I see it's bad. On my college campuses and when I 
uh, you know, have friends that are my age that I don't, I don't really talk about politics to my friends I knew before politics because I know it's just gonna get ugly. But they're just not. Uh, they either don't care or the ones that do care care way too much about some shit that's not even. Sorry. Yep. Sorry. No, yeah. Of course okay, you're okay. good. Yeah. I didn't want to get y'all. No, no, no. You're fine. Um, that's some shit that's like not even an issue. So. Um, you know, it's the type of friends I have I'll get offended when I say something like, I don't think transgender athletes should be a women's sports. And they care about so much about this issue, and they get so triggered about, like, the pronouns thing. Oh. They get so triggered <laughs> about, like, the birthing people, and men can get pregnant. And I'm just like, this is my generation that's doing this. This is, uh, this is who we're going to be. We're going to be worse than millennials. I mean, millennials are cool with, like, their little, like, Harry Potter and, like, Disney World obsession. <laughs> we always talk about that. Taylor Swift. Harry Potter this week. Oh, God. Um... But, like, that's all cool, and uh, I think a lot of millennials in general are just kind of, like, complicit and disinterested in politics and just vote Democrat because whatever. But a lot of Gen Z thinks we're all activists. Gen Z is like, I have to become a TikTok activist. I have to I have to post this on my Instagram story. I have to post the black square. I have to do all the, like, everyone thinks they're going to change the world, and they're, most of them are very, not even liberal. Most Like, there's leftists, like yes. Marxist teenagers, yep. now, which really scares me. So I think we're actually going to have a more negative impact. Because a lot of millennials, they're not into politics. They have opinions, but they're not an activist. But everyone my age thinks they're an activist. So I, 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 think, I think the change is that millennials were the, fi- were the last generation that treaded the Internet age before the Internet age came. So yeah. we were alive. Like, I remember a time like Facebook didn't exist. I remember I having remember a flip phone. I, yeah, I remember being in college, we, yeah, in college, being a freshman when Facebook I came out. I was sitting there with someone in, in, in a microbiology club, and someone was, like, trying to figure out what poking on back when poking was a thing yeah. on Facebook. Like, we, that, we literally saw the creation of it. So it's so weird to look back and see an entire generation that didn't really know life before social media and the impact. I blame social media. I worry about the long-term impact of me being on social media this long, to be honest, because I've been on, I mean, I, I've been on since I was, like, probably 13, 14 mm-hmm. years old. I was, like, you know, on, on websites and stuff. I've only been on Twitter recently, but I'm just like, is this rotting my brain? Like, is it really rotting my brain? Because this is unprecedented. We've never had an entire generation grow up being on Instagram, TikTok, Vine, Twitter, mm-hmm. Facebook for their entire life. So I'm interested to see the impact, but I think it's gonna be really bad. Well, I think I think now big. Now we have toddlers who like I look at. Yeah, like, these iPad babies. Yes. I'm like, what happened to parenting? <laughs> it's not even like the pacifier anymore. It's like an iPad. There's, before it was like, oh, you want your baby to shut up, give them a bottle or a pacifier. Now it's like, nope, give them the cell phone no, or the iPad. When I have kids, they are not getting an yeah. iPad. Like until they're a teenager, no smartphones, no iPads. Yep. None of that. We'll see what happens. Like, that's that. Well, I'm that's the way I would no, feel. No, actually, I believe you. I believe you. But most people, I've heard so many people say that, and they have. No, I swear. I have seen so many people say that. I don't even have an iPad. I'm not going to buy one for my baby. <laughs> yeah, but you have a phone. I'm not going to give it to my baby. Okay. I feel like I, I even though, like, when I was a kid, my parents had, like, you know, like, a flip phone, like, the slide-out phone. They wouldn't even, like, mm-hmm. use it. I didn't get an iPhone until I was, like... Yeah, I didn't get a, I didn't, I didn't get, get cell phone until I was in high school. So yeah, I feel like I can do that with my kids. Mm-hmm. I did have like a flip phone and stuff before just to call my parents in emergency, but I didn't get an iPhone until I was in high school. So I feel like I'll do that with my kids. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's the way to do it. They're just becoming too reliant, and unfortunately, this is a, a point that Tim makes that I think was salient that a lot of people don't make, uh, because as conservatives, we always blame academia. It's the college's fault and all this stuff, but. He brought up a point kind of being in social media for so long. He's like, it's the garbage algorithms, dude. They literally throw, they know these keywords all get you the most clicks. So let's combine all of these disparate things that have nothing to do with one another and package it as some sort of legitimate thing. 
So let's come out with a garbage video that talks about black transgender police violence. Yes, the intersectionality. And that's being pushed almost by, not, not that Marxism wasn't always there and they wanted to push it, but now they found a tool that essentially we can throw all the propaganda together in one. Yeah, people are like, oh, it's critical race theory. Then they, they totally ignore the other types of critical theory. Exactly. Because people are people are like, oh, critical race theory is in schools. I'm like, critical theory was literally developed by Marxist schools of thought. So you can make critical pickle theory. Yeah. It'll be Marxist. But people don't want to talk about it because it's just like they're triggered by like certain, you know, racial stereotypes and, mm-hmm. you know, talks about race. But it's everywhere. And it's on Cartoon Network. It's on Nickelodeon. Yep. It's everywhere. It's not just in uh, colleges and universities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's really the scary part. Trying to break through and create. I mean, we we essentially must create our own culture, a counterculture to stand up to it, or else that's it. I think it's I game think over. I think libertarianism is like the new counterculture. I think I think it's yeah. I think it is becoming that way. I think we're going to start seeing. I think it may not be widespread, but you'll start seeing a little bit of a backlash, kind of like how essentially progressivism was a backlash to the extreme traditionalism that yeah, was like going on in the 50s. The, it was like all like, you know, the hippies and then like later it was like the punks and now it's just like... And then they became the establishment. Even, yeah, it, it's like, uh, I think it was like Rage Against the Machine was requiring vaccine, proof of vaccine for their yeah. concerts. I'm like, what? Like, yeah. Rage Against who? Well, now it's so funny listening to all those punk bands that obviously we used to listen to growing up and it's like, the message is now talking about the left because they're the ones that are the authoritarians, but these people don't understand that. There's actual songs that, uh, I forgot which one, I was, I was looking at the lyrics, and I'm like, this was meant to be like anti-conservative uh, back in the day when it was first created, and now, even if you don't change the lyrics, I can take that same song and it now applies to the left, and I'm like, this is crazy. Yeah. And- and it probably always did. They just never realized it, too. Yeah, because they wrote it with the right in mind, but it was geared towards just the establishment. Yes. And so now it applies to the left, whether they like it or not. But yep. they don't even realize. No, probably yep. not. <laughs> well, yeah, that's, that's just kind of how it is. Well, where can people find you, Olivia? Where's the best place to find you, and, and what can people do to help you grow and spread your message? Um, I'm trying to hit 4,000 on YouTube. I'm, I kind of suck at YouTube. YouTube is really hard to grow yeah, on compared so to hard. all the and other guess platforms. I've hit 4,000 like three times in the last week, and it keeps going back down to 3.99. Yep. So it's really, really confusing to me because I haven't even put anything out in the last week. So I'm like, is YouTube tr- really trying to remove my subscribers? Yes. Like, I don't know what's happening. Uh, but, yeah, it's just Olivia Rondo, R-O-N-D-E-A-U, and then same on Twitter and Instagram. Awesome. Well, hey, thank you so much for taking your time uh, and, and oh, sitting down with us so today. Much. It's a pleasure to, to meet you. And honestly, we're, I mean, I'm, we're in our mid-30s, so it's not like we're that much older, but we're in the next generation. But it's good to see that there, I, I mean, I was impressed. Uh, I was impressed when you were on Tim because it is so difficult to find, even, even I look at myself when I was in my 20s, I, was, I felt like I was more politically engaged and mature than my peers. But I feel like, even you've taken it to another level and your level of engagement and your intellectual curiosity is uh, something that really, it's inspiring to see younger people. I was their youngest guest probably Oh yeah. That's crazy. And that's awesome because it does give people hope and it also lets people know like, oh, it's not just these crazy old people that are into this stuff. Yeah, a lot of a lot of like older libertarians come up to me all the time. They're like, oh my God, you're providing so much hope for the younger generation. I'm like, please. 
I'm alone. <laughs> like, I am not popular. I'm not cool with my generation e- at all. Even even us being in our 30s, we get people in their 50s and 60s watching us, and they're like, oh, yeah, this is so great. You're going to have a major influence. I was like, I don't know about that, but if we can at least set an example that, you know, because our approach is, look, we've got, like, the Nintendo Switch here, and we've got all this stuff around. It's almost to be like a Trojan horse. When somebody watches our show, they see all, like, the video game paraphernalia behind us. Yeah, oh, man, they're into games, like, all this stuff. And they think that it's going to be, like, a gaming stream or, like, something like that, which we do that, too, uh, on purpose. You know, it's like, hey, they're playing video games, and then it's like, oh, we're talking about conservatism and guns, and you you thought it was cool, but you didn't know what was going on. Uh, and that's what we try to do. So people may be randomly watching, and it's like, hey, what are they talking Someone about? Someone told me to do that because I, like, I like to do, like, do my makeup and stuff. Somebody told me to do like, makeup tutorials, but like talk about politics. Uh, that's, totally that would be pretty cool, yeah. It's so, I mean, look, the left, talks, the left talks about subversion all the time. Let's subvert expectations. Let's subvert the system. Let's do all that stuff. I was like, why don't we just do the same thing? It's like, it makes sense. It's like, it's, some of the tactics that the left uses are legitimately evil, but some of them are, are common sense, and to not use and that... Good at it too. Yeah, and it's almost like to say, like, that's like being a soldier in a war and saying, well, because my enemy dropped his gun, I hate him so much that I won't use their weapon against them. And it's like, why would you not do that? Yeah. It makes no sense, especially if it's so effective. Nah, there are no laws to this shit. Yeah, it's, it's war, man. There's no... It, it, you have to do what you have to do to win. As long as you don't lose yourself along the way, yeah. anything's on the table. because a lot of... I get into Republicans, because, you know, there'll be, uh, there's certain Republicans, not, not, like, huge accounts or anything, but I'll see, like, some of my followers being, you know, just being, like, plain and mean and nasty, and they'd be like, oh, like, I don't know, like, one of the big things that Republicans love to say is, like, oh, Michelle Obama, she's on the like, she's so <laughs> yeah. ugly. And I'm like, what are you, like, how is this helping the movement? Yeah. How is this going to make you not look racist and hateful? It just looks petty. And they're like, well, yeah. well, the, well, the Democrats say that, but the Democrats didn't appreciate Melania Trump. We, we are going to stoop to their level. I'm like, nah, this is not what I'm talking about when I say that Republicans need to have better fighting tactics. Let's go into the culture and win the culture war. We don't have to be proving Democrats right when they say that we're hateful or we're bigoted or whatever. Yep. We have to show an alternative. It's almost got to be like you've got a party and people want to go there and be like, hey, why is everybody hanging out here? There must be something wanna, cool going you on. You want to be welcoming yep. to these people, not, not pushing them away. But Absolutely. Yep. Well, hey, thank you so much again. It was a thank pleasure you. to meet you. Thank you so much for your time, and and we look forward to seeing uh, what you do in the future. (laughs) I appreciate it. Thanks, Olivia.